Oh, it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning, isn't it? Hey, hey, turn to the person next to you and say, you look better than I remember. We are right smack in the middle of a series, and that passage of Scripture, actually, let's, let's look at it again. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Another way to put that is work smarter, not harder. Abraham Lincoln, one of the founding presidents of our nation, put it this way. Abraham Lincoln said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Because if I spend the first four sharpening the axe, it will cut down so much easier. And you and I can learn from that. And the topic that we're going to dig into this morning, I'm telling you, as I look at our culture and I look at many of our lives, our acts is dull. It is just flat out dull. Our financial acts is dull. We think if I just had more, over 3 billion people in the world today live on less, on $2 a day or less. Over 3 billion people in the world are actually living their lives on $2 or less a day. A friend of mine has a missions organization, and they have found a way to find followers of Christ, people who've accepted Christ, are living their lives for Christ, they have found a way to actually pay them a salary so they can live their lives and serve in ministry. They're serving people in their community. They're serving as pastors. And we are pay, we're paying their salary. $10 a week pays a full salary for someone to be a missionary in their community. I have a family member who every month gives in a huge way specifically to that. He says you can't possibly find a better deal than that. And yet we live our lives in our culture with all the things that we have. And we think if something is there, we should have it. We're driving our 10-year-old vehicle and somebody pulls up next to us and they've got and new one. Right away, we're thinking, I need to get that because it's there to be gotten. I deserve that. I, I want to step into, into that whole arena this morning. I want to do it in a way perhaps that's a little different. I want to talk about a couple of things that are different than we are used to talking in, talking about. You see, if you're spoiled and you're a millionaire, you act the same way that a person who's spoiled and they're a middle-income person. Or you act even the same way as someone who's poor and they're spoiled. See, spoiled is spoiled. And if you're a mil whether you're a millionaire or you're middle class or you're poor or you're a two-year-old going through the checkout line and you're sitting in the cart and the people who put fries and Safeway, and Albertsons, and all, and Walmart, they are smart. 
they fill those aisles with candy and stuff that your kid is going to say, Mommy, Daddy, I want that. And what do you have? That's where our lack of courage starts. It starts early on with our two-year-old in our cart, and we're going through checkout lines, and we can't say no to our two-year-old for that stupid little candy thing. Thank you, Bill. What's it going to take to make our axe sharp? And here's what I know. Some of us sitting right here in this room, we've been through this process. Talking about financial peace university, you know, there's, 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 there are couples that I could start to name. There's one couple that I know that they're getting close to retirement, and they took this course seven or eight years ago, and their situation right now is so much better than it was when they took their core, the, the financial peace university. They would right now be struggling with still owning their home. They've paid for their home. They've gotten rid of credit card debt. It is such a big deal. I want us to stop and think and imagine our future. Imagine your future. Imagine it free from financial burdens, free from the stress Imagine yourself actually in a position of freedom. And it's so much, it's so much easier than we think, but we do have to change our thinking. This morning, I, I, I'm going to shake you a little bit so, so, that, so that your attention gets, gets shaken and we think a little bit differently about this. But I will give you a caution the caution from me to you this morning as a pastor who loves you and cares about where you end up. Every single path has a destination. And your intention may be, Chris Oakley talked about this about a month, three weeks ago. Your, your intention is to get to a specific destination, but somehow you're off on another path. And what you don't realize is you're thinking that your intention is going to get you there, but the path that you're on is going to take you somewhere else. I want to make sure there's clarity this morning that we understand the path that we're going to in this whole area of finances. I want to talk about several myths with you this morning. The first myth is debt is normal. It's normal to be in debt. That is a myth. Before World War II, as a nation, we had almost no debt. As it stands right now, we have over $22 trillion in debt and nobody is even doing anything or even thinking about trying to fix that problem. And it is growing at, the, growing at an alarming rate. This is our nation. This is the culture of our nation. Our nation lives in debt and is growing its debt. And there is in Washington a failure of courage to deal with that. On a personal level, in our culture, what I see everywhere is, is most people are living paycheck to paycheck. 
Some of us in this room, many of us in the room, we're living paycheck to paycheck. We're not even spending our whole paycheck. We're spending our whole paycheck and we're using our credit cards. So we're living on 110% of what we make. Every path has a destination. Somewhere along the line, a genie doesn't pop up and jump out of a bottle and say, that's okay, I'll take care of your debt. That's okay, everything's going to be fine. You may want that to happen, but hello, it's not going to happen. And we think debt is normal. See, we've drifted to this place. In the 1940s and 50s, my grandparents came here from Europe. My mom's mother and dad came here from, from Norway. The, the, they're both 100% Norwegian. They came here to the United States. They came through the island and, and into New York City. And on my father's side, my father's mother and father, they came from Germany. See, I'm 50% Norwegian and 50% German. And they came here, and both of them, this, they, they, they from that point on, they, they weren't Norwegian or German. They were Americans. They wanted to be here. And this was their country. And the financial world that they lived in, there were, debt was not in our culture like it is today. The debt that they incurred, both of them, my, my mom's mother and father and my father's mother and father, both of them in Queens, in New York, they got a mortgage and bought a house. And that mortgage was seven-year mortgage. Seven years. That, that was the norm of our culture a seven-year mortgage, and their house was paid for, and they never incurred debt again. And that's the life they lived. And then came my mother and father. And in the 50s and 60s, and, in, and even into the 70s, everybody had credit cards. My parents had credit cards. Everybody had a car payment. I was born in 1952. The day before I was born, my dad picked up a brand-new 1952 Ford. Wish I had it. But he got a payment book with it. In 1957, he bought a 1957 Chevy. Wish I had it. But he got a payment book with it. 1960, he bought a new Mercury. I have no idea why he bought a Mercury. In 64, he bought a new Chevy. 66, he bought a Buick. 68, he bought a new... Every single time, he got a payment book with his car. It was the way our culture lived. And our culture says you will always have credit card payments and you will always have car payments. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave. If you're taking notes, you might want to circle that word. Slave to the lender. See, when this was written, the rich had the ability to loan money to the poor. In our culture, it's totally different. The banks are the one that loan us money. See, the banks are in business to loan us money. They, they want to make as much money as they possibly can simply by loaning us money. And they actually tell us, you can put your money in savings with us. And they're, they're not even paying 2% right now. 
So, so they're, they're taking money in from people who are willing to put it in a savings account for about 2%. And then what they do is they mail everybody credit cards. See, they just mail these credit cards out. And on these credit cards, they, the, the, the interest rate is, I don't know, 6 7%. Some of them 15%. Some of them 23%. You guys know it. The rich rule over the poor. In our culture, the banks are doing this. And it's, there's nothing illegal about it. It's, it's perfectly fine. Unless you're the one paying the 22, 23%. Debt is normal is a myth. It is not normal. It's the norm for our culture. But when you open up your Bible, it is not the norm. The second myth is Social Security will be my retirement. By the time I'm old, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to, I'll, ju I'll just rely on Social Security. L let, me, let me rattle that. Let me shake that tree just a little bit. 44% of retirees say Social Security is going to be their main source of income at retirement. 44%. That's pretty close to half. They think that's going to be. Now, right now, the average monthly income on Social Security for someone who's retired is $1,461. The problem is, over the next 10 years, it's projected to be reduced by 20%. 79% of workers today, 79, it's almost 80%. See, 79 is real close to 80. So 80% of workers today plan to work during their retirement years. Okay, so 80% of people working today plan, they know that Social Security is not going to be enough, so they're planning to work during retirement years. You know what the problem with that is? Only 34% of them will be in a place physically or mentally or emotionally where they can work. So there's a huge problem there. Proverbs 21, 20 says this. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. And you and I, here's what we get to do. We get to choose, am I going to be wise or am I going to be a fool? Are you a little uncomfortable right now? We get to choose. Am I going to be uncomfortable? See, as I read that passage of Scripture, you, you know what I see there? God actually approves of foresight and restraint. He approves of it. He says, listen, if you're going to be intentional, you're going to have my blessing. If, if you're going to show restraint, you're going to have my blessing. We get to choose. I want to talk about millionaires for a couple of minutes. You say, well, James, why are we going to talk about millionaires? I don't think, I don't think most of in this room are, are going to make it to the... See, that's the problem. Thinking like that is the problem. I want us to think about millionaires a little bit differently than we do right now because I think most of us are not seeing millionaires accurate, 
nor are we seeing how they became millionaires accurately. I want you to, I want you to watch a video clip here of Chris Hogan and, and the Rachel Cruz. Now, I want you to pay attention, pay attention to their words this morning. Hogan, you're back. I am back, Thank and I'm excited you. to be with you. I'm so glad. Okay, so I can't wait to dive in because people believe the lie that you just can't become a millionaire today, but that's a lie, people. It's a lie. So let's go through really quickly the top three lies people believe, and I want you to, like, hit me with the truth, okay? okay like, all right. I mean, don't really hit me. No, I'm, I that, would never do that. That would hurt. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Yes, dude. Because you're right. There are some lies out there. So, yes. all right, you leave. First lie is— all right. A lot of people believe to become a millionaire, you have to inherit your money. Or that millionaires, they've only become millionaires because they inherited a bunch of money. Rachel, people actually believe this. Yes. And you know why? It's easy for people to believe that, hey, someone just handed it to them. Nobody really worked hard themselves. So here's the fact. We studied over 10,000 millionaires all across the country. Okay, we did the largest study that's ever been done. We found out the truth. According to our research, 79% of the millionaires didn't inherit a dime. Nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. That means that they didn't have it handed to them. This was someone that actually worked hard and built wealth over time. So, so inheritance, no. Okay, another lie is people say, well, I have to make a ton of money. I mean, I gotta make at least six figures in order to become a millionaire. Rachel, this is another myth. It's not true. According to our research, we had a third of the millionaires that we studied never had a six-figure household income. Can I tell you something else? Oh, Top three positions. On. Top three positions of the millionaires that we studied. Number one was engineers, right? Which isn't surprising. They plan stuff. Yep. Number two was accountants. That doesn't surprise. Sure. They, they know money. Number three blew me away. Number three was school teachers. Okay, I love that you mentioned that because we actually just had Elizabeth on the show, and she's a teacher. She's on Baby Step 6, so she's like, you know, I mean, she's working her way there, and she will. She will become a millionaire. She will, Rachel. With it, which I love. Because she's attacking with Baby Step 6. She's going to pay off the house, and then she's got that value, plus the money she's putting into her 403B. She's well on her way because debt's not stealing from her yeah. anymore. She's being intentional. That's right. Okay, so there's a lot of interesting things you guys found out in the survey, things like typical millionaires, they coupon, they drive mm -hmm. used cars, mm -hmm. all these cool things. But I want to know, like, the real tactical stuff to truly have a net worth of a million dollars or more. Mm -hmm. There's really three big things that you have to do. Yes, all these other things help for sure. Mm -hmm. But one of them is when you start to win, to keep your lifestyle still at a minimum, that you don't go crazy right. spending a bunch of money. No, these people, these everyday millionaires, I call them, because they're everyday men and women. You wouldn't know it, Rachel, when you met them. They knew what allowed them to get to that million dollar net worth, being intentional with their money, being very focused. And yeah, they have nice things, but they save up and they pay cash for it. So good. Yes. So even upping their lifestyle, just a very small percentage, they don't go crazy. That's I love right. that. James, why, why are we looking at millionaires? Because I really believe that you and I, Scripture points to this clearly. I really believe that you and I need to learn some of these key things. There are simple things here that we can learn. And as we, we look at how they live their lives, and I just, I, I put a couple of statistics together. Let me, let me just share them with you. Millionaires, we're talking about groceries, going to the grocery store, okay? Millionaires spend, on an average now, four, uh, $412 a month on grocery. Non-millionaires, on average, spend $582 in groceries. 
I don't know about you, but Karen and I both go to Fry's. We both go, go shopping. And, and, and here's, here's what I know happens every single week. See, we buy stuff for, for, our, for our refrigerator and, and for our food. But every single week, we are throwing stuff away that we did not eat. There'll be a whole thing of strawberries, and, and we've eaten some, but, but now it needs to be thrown away because it's gone bad. And the blueberries, there's, there's, we didn't finish them all. And, and, and there's, we bought these hamburgers and, and we, had, we, had, we used three of them and now there's a pack and, and, and there's six left and, and it's got to be thrown away. And, and, and we, we do that. So I'm learning even with groceries to live differently. I'm learning that when I go to the grocery store, right, I, I walk the perimeter of the grocery store, and I don't go up and down the aisles in the middle. See? I go in there, and I go, I head right straight to the back because I get my half and half of my coffee because that's important. Except now, except now I use heavy cream, but don't tell anybody, right? And then you go to the eggs, and then you go on to the meat, and then I go to the deli section, and I get the kind of deli meats and things that I want, and, and, and I'm out of there. Because if I walk down those middle aisles, I'm coming out with a full cart because I seem to find a bunch of stuff that I need. And just changing our thinking. And when we talk about millionaires and grocery shopping, actually 30% of millionaires spend less than $300 a month in groceries. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that makes sense, because they eat out all the time, right? No, 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 no. Restaurant spending... Million, now, millionaires actually have two categories for restaurant spending. One of them is millionaires that clip coupons. Well, oh, millionaires don't clip coupons. Yeah, they do. That's how they become millionaires. Millionaires who, cl who clip coupons are spending an average of $222 a month in restaurants. Millionaires who don't clip coupons are spending an average of $267 a month. Non-millionaires are spending $280 a month eating out. We think wrongly about millionaires. I look back at some other statistics. In 2007, uh, 2017, which is the, 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 the earliest statistics I can find, the year 2017, over 700,000 people became new millionaires. Over 700,000 people actually became millionaires who were not millionaires. And then I looked even further. How many millionaires are there in the United States? And I, and I looked that one up. Over 12, there are over 12 million millionaires. And we look at this category and we think it's, 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 it's unattainable. I have a really good friend whose dad worked in the government, actually, for his whole life. He never broke the $50,000 threshold. He never made more than $50,000 a year. But he passed away, and he left over $2 million to his kids. See, a little bit over a long period of time makes a big, big difference. It is so doable.
if we'll open up God's word and we'll follow biblical principles. Financial Peace University, I'll tell you, it will put you on a path that has a destination. Millionaires spend less than they make. Millionaires typically do not go, they save up cash and buy what they save for. Let me throw a few myth busters at you quickly. Number one, this is truth. Just admit that we have a courage problem. Just admit it. We have a courage problem. It started at the checkout line with our two-year-old and not being able to say no. Let's look at Proverbs here for a minute. The plans of the diligent. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. See, the Bible is not afraid to talk about profit and wealth at all because we are God's children. What, is he, what do you want for your children? You want your children to be blessed. You want, you want good things for your kids. It's no different with him. We're his, we are the apple of his eye. He loves us. He's given us biblical principles, tools, that if we will learn to use, we'll have skills. And then we will live in the benefit of his blessing. There's nothing he wants more for his children than that. But we're so busy looking at the culture around us that's telling us, you're always going to have debt. Don't worry about it. Charge it. And when you open up your Bible, it doesn't say, you're always going to have debt. Don't worry about it. Charge it. He's got a whole different language for us. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to profit, to poverty. But I want it now. Well, go ahead. You're going to end up in poverty. You're going to end up having nothing. Deuteronomy 18, he continues to talk about this whole subject of wealth. He says, but remember, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. That's who he is. He's your God. He's my God. He's your heavenly Father. He's my heavenly Father. My caution this morning is it's, it, it's going to be so easy to walk out of here and say, ah, I, I don't need that now. And five years from now, you'll be in the same position or worse. Or 10 years from now, you'll be in the same. Your financial acts will be dull. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He could have just said, it is God who gives you the ability to produce enough just so that you can get by. He didn't say that. He used the word wealth because he honors faithfulness. In FPU, we talk about debt. See, we've got to decide what matters the most. We just really do. The fact is God matters the most in our lives. And if, if that's true, man, we just need to wrap our arms around it. Our marriage matters the most in our lives. Let's step into it and let's live it. Our kids, our family, they matter the most. 
dads, dads, are you willing to be the dad that your kids need to see? Are you willing to be the dad that your kids, when your kids look at you, they say, that's my dad. He's doing things that God asks him to do. That's my dad. He's following biblical principles in his life. And we all know as parents, kids, kids, they, they catch it. They see it. And they learn it. So if we talk it and don't live it, it's not worth squat. You can quote me on that squat part. Our family, our community, what matters? The second myth buster, the second truth, is less is more. I've talked about this in the past. Less is more. Solomon, Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. In his culture, he was the richest man who ever lived. Most Bible scholars point to him and say he really is the richest man who ever lived, no matter what culture you're comparing him to. So we know kind of where he is. Look what he has to say in Ecclesiastic. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Is he saying that because he was struggling with debt? No, no, no. He's saying that because he never needed a thing. He had more money than anybody anywhere. And he had more wisdom than anybody anywhere. And he watched in his culture some of the same things that you and I are watching in our culture. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So how do we do this? Three things real quickly. Number one, we cut back. We, we, we look at our spending and, and we ask questions like, do I really need that? Listen, when you take Financial Peace University, you, uh, the, the, the class, is, Dave Ramsey is a lot of fun. You will enjoy this class probably more than any class you have ever taken. He, he is a lot of fun. Mike and Zandra will, 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 will be teaching this class and leading it, and Dave will be sharing the principles, and it, it, it will be a class that you will enjoy. But you will also look at different categories and areas in your life in terms of your money over nine weeks, and you will come out the other end with real clarity on where you're going, what path you're on, and where you're going to end up. If you're doing any purchase at all and it's a large purchase, wait at least 24 hours. You don't need to buy it now. I know the car salesman says you need to buy it now. You don't need to buy it now. Wait at least 24 hours. You know, this, this whole cutting back, for we're, we're, we're finding in our family, we eat out at restaurants a little bit less now. One of the things that we are doing is we're, we're having dinner at our house on Sunday nights. That's what we do on Sunday nights. And actually, Jordan and Julia come over for dinner, and, and they bring our, our favorite grandchild now. And uh, so we get to spend time with them. And, and I, said, I said one Sunday, if, I, if I'd have known grandkids were going to be this much fun, I'd have been nicer to their parents, you know? <laughs> so we're, we're enjoying Blake. We're enjoying this time together. And, and we're actually, their time, we're extending that even to friends. And, and so on, on Sunday night, there, there's more at our house. And, and so we're enjoying the right things. At the same time, cutting back. 
And then you can clear out. You, 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 there, I have so much stuff in my garage that's for the most part junk, but Wes has to park his Mustang outside because our junk's important to us. We, we just need to clear our car. Karen did this. She did this Marie Kondo's thing, and, and she cleared out a whole bunch of her stuff from her closet, and, and she cleared out a bunch of stuff from my closet too, right? I, the, the boxes with the red hearts on them, I, you know, just got rid of all that stuff. And then, but Maria Kondo, she says, what, what you need to do is you, you need to say thank you to the piece of clothing that was so good to you. And you can skip that whole part. But put boxes together and get them to Goodwill. Get them somewhere else. Clear things out. She says, give away 100 things. When you start doing it, you realize, I can give away 200 things. I don't use this stuff. We go through, we go through the shirts in my closet, and, and, and right away, I'm getting rid of ones that I know I haven't worn in two years. But the problem is I'm saving others because I might wear them, and I know two years from now, I will not have worn them because I had a failure of courage to simply get rid of them. We just have so much stuff. If we declutter, it, it declutters our thought process. It declutters our heart. It, it, it actually is helpful to us. Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Stuff is not what's going to matter. When you're on your deathbed, nobody says, bring me my bowling trophy. No, nobody says, quiet, quiet, I, I, I want to see how the Kardashians are doing. And things, things don't matter. People matter. There she is. Your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And pay off. As we go through FPU, Dave takes a week and he just digs into that pay off. See, financial stress is no fun. It's, it's a horrible place to camp out and live. First Timothy says this, by the way, Paul, the apostle Paul, Paul went all over the countryside from nation to nation, and, and he planted churches. And then what he did is he wrote letters to those churches he wrote instructions to those churches. And they're, they're, usually, they're in our Bible. They're in the names of cities like Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. And so he wrote letters to those churches giving them information that, that, that they needed to have. And then sometimes Paul actually wrote letters to the pastors in the churches. And that's what he did here in Timothy, in the letters to Timothy. And some of the, he, he, he gives clarity to pastors. You need to be teaching the church this, he says. And in 1 Timothy 6, 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Our culture says debt is normal. Our culture says don't worry about it. Just rely on Social Security. Now, you can probably survive on Social Security if it's still there. 
I, I, want our, I want our thinking to go beyond what it is right now. I want us to look at how the real millionaires who've earned their money, but mo many of them by overtime, teachers, our culture says teachers are underpaid and are not paid enough, and they're on the low... You know what? Teachers aren't stupid. They were careful with their money. That's why they're in that number three category. And, and for all of us, this whole area of finances, God has given us tools in his word. And learning to use those tools in, the, in, the, in our finances is a skill. And he wants us as his children to use those tools and learn those skills so that we are on a path that has a very clear destination and we as his children have let go of credit card debt and we've let go of car payments and, and we're living the way his word tells us to live and truth that he gives to us on a regular basis. August 15th. So you can leave here this morning, go right out to the cafe. F FPU is $100. It's, uh, it actually costs more than that, but we pay the difference. And we pay for everything else that happens during that time as a church family because we know the freedom that it brings in our family lives, in our personal lives, the freedom in following Christ in the area of finances in our life. It is a big deal. Our information table in the cafe, sign up. Don't wait. Sign up. And if you've taken the class and you want to take it again as an alumni, you know that as an alumni it doesn't cost. So anytime after this first time, it's free because you can just go take it as many times as you want. So if you're going to take it as an alumni, sign up so we know how many are going to be in the class so we can properly facilitate it. Guys, this is such a big area, and it's, such, it's an area that is so easy for us to walk out of here and say, I'm going to do that at some point. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Here's why. Because the struggles that you may be having right now, you're struggling with credit card debt, you're struggling in the area of finances. Five years from now, maybe two years from now, you're going to be struggling with the same exact issue, but it will probably be worse. Don't put it off. Allow God to work in that area of your life. Allow him to transform that area of your life.